This episode of Reading Women is brought to you by the House of Chanel. For Gabrielle Chanel, dance was always a natural fit, reflecting the freedom of movement she introduced to the fashion world. Dance was an opportunity, that of meeting the flamboyant producer of the Ballet Russe, Serge Aguilev, becoming his friend, costume designer and patron, of having her name associated with Cocteau, Picasso and Stravinsky. For Chanel today, dance remains the very essence of culture and elegance. To discover more, visit inside.chanel.com. Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester, here with Sachi Argerbright, Jacqueline Masters, and Samaya Nassim, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 100, where we're talking about the 2020 Reading Women Awards shortlist for fiction. You can find a complete transcript and a list of all the books mentioned today linked in our show notes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. So it's our 100th episode, uh, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a very weird uh, numbering system. Um, If you're just listening to this, it's mainly for production because this podcast started as a bi-weekly podcast and interviews weren't every, you know, other week like they are now. Um, but actually, we've done 190 episodes. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a, it's a misleading number. <laughs> it, it is. And um, we have 0.5s and all the stuff going on. But this is the 100th numbered episode. So I figured we'd celebrate now, I guess. <laughs> no. There's so many great episodes. So if, if, if the, you're getting to episode 100 or 190 or whatever, and you haven't heard them all, go back and listen to them because they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Just Well, as the editor, I will say the audio in the first couple seasons is, is a struggle. Um, That's any podcast. Any podcast is like that. You got to get your feelers out for the first, <laughs> first couple seasons. I think that's totally understandable. I feel like if you're going back in the archive for any podcast and you're like, I'm going to start from the beginning, like you have to know that the audio quality is going to be probably much, you know, lower than what you're listening to now. So I think that's, that's hopefully inherent when people (laughs) go back and listen, hopefully. Well, we still get messages. So are you joking? No. no. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Because Autumn's headphones actively died during a recording once. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well. These things happen. Lots you know, of you're human. <laughs> you you learn along the way. You know, we've talked about podcasts evolving over time, and audio quality is something that changes over it's time. True. So, and so, thank you, patrons, for buying mics for the crew. <laughs> yes. we appreciate it. <laughs> yes, that's why you can hear our wonderful voices loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool that we've done so many different episodes, and they're all celebrating books by women. I think that's a huge deal, and I have many backlist episode that I need to catch up with. So that is on my <laughs> list of priorities before we go into the next year. So we do have some big news that we wanted to talk about. So uh, we've been talking all 
all throughout this year about things that we wanted to cover next year with our themes and our coverage. And uh, after talking with the co-hosts for a while, we've decided to do an entire theme over the course of a year, which we've never done before. And I am very excited to get started. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very excited. I know that Sanchi and Samaya will also express enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited that we'll be looking at more international titles next year because, you know, there's a wealth of literature that gets published internationally. Not all of it is published in America. Um, And I think readers in America would benefit um, a lot from exploring international literature you know, outside of what's available there, particularly, I guess, uh, works in translation. Often these books are available as ebooks and on book depository. And that's actually how I've done my own reading all my life, you know, because of living in Saudi Arabia. Now that I'm living in India, um, I access a lot of books online um, or I read books, whether it's ebooks or audiobooks, and then, you know, getting from book depository. That's actually how I access books that are published in America because they're not often published here. So it's kind of like we're giving that same experience to readers in America next year. And honestly, from my vantage point, um, I would say that there are many Arab and South Asian writers who get published internationally. You know, I'm currently living in India and the South Asian publishing market here is huge. There are hundreds of small and book publishers here who are constantly producing um, some of the greatest books by women in this region. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to expanding um, the pool of books that we select from um, in 2021. Uh, So for 2021, throughout the whole year, all of our themes and the Reading Women Challenge are going to be focused on reading international literature. Uh, We are basing this definition off of that The podcast is based in the United States, so we are going to be looking at literature outside of the United States um, and also primarily outside of the UK as well, since that's also uh, pretty well represented in literature. So we're going to be looking at all of these different ideas and themes and trying to share more books from women around the world. I am very excited, obviously, (laughs) not being an American, (laughs) Um, and I think this will be really exciting and I'm particularly looking forward to reading books published in international markets, uh, not just books that make it to the US. Um, I know that I've shared a lot of Australian and some New Zealand titles um, when I've had episode coverage, but I'm really looking forward to branching out and expanding that even more. And I know that there's a lot of gaps in my own reading that I'm looking to, to rectify as well. And Saatchi, do you have any areas that you're looking to read more from? I think for for me personally, as someone who who is an American and um, has very much read um, American centric um, kind of books in the past, and just my reading habits and and not as much personally paying attention to books uh, published outside of the U.S. Um, just because it's it's part of it is the market is is not shoving them in my in my face <laughs> as as uh, probably many people uh, on this podcast could attest to. But this podcast actually helped me realize that blind spot that there's so much more out there. And the reason why it's not out there is because we are so centric in the American market to just 
things that we're publishing and doing. And so I've gotten some incredible recommendations of international books or even books that are translated from other languages from different countries and things like that. Um, And so I'm really excited just to be focusing on this specifically because this is also a personal goal of mine. Um, Just after hearing some of these amazing recommendations and titles from the wonderful um, co-hosts and contributors on the team that I think this will be a really great challenge, not only for, for us on the podcast, but hopefully for listeners too, because I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are in the same boat um, as me, at least um, in, in realizing that I need to read more internationally. There's a whole world out there (laughs) that we're probably not reading or not realizing. Uh, and this will be a really great way for us to give that as a resource to people to say, Hey, these are some incredible books that you can get your hands um, on and provide some diversity and, and wider spectrum of, um, experiences, uh, in your reading life. Which I am very excited about. I just received several books from South American women writers, and they are translated and they're available in audio. So that is my one of my personal goals is to read more South American authors because that's a big gap in mine. Um, obviously, there's the uh, factor of I need them on audio, and that really limits when it's available. But I'm going to make this a top priority so that I can read more of them because. Um, there's just so much out there. So yeah, that's, that's great. I feel like South American, um, books are also a blind spot for me. And then another thing that I want to work on personally too, is reading more Asian authors, which no one is surprised about, (laughs) but, um, from, from other authors that aren't East Asian authors, I feel like I pick up a lot of, um, books from Japanese authors, obviously, because I'm half Japanese, but also, um, Korean authors and sometimes Chinese authors. I need to be reading outside of that scope and, and reading more books from other Asian countries besides the really large East Asian countries. So, um, that is something that I want to personally work towards next year. Um, when it comes to this challenge. I feel like Winnie will have a lot of recommendations for you since she reads a lot in um, not just Malaysian authors, but the surrounding like archipelago between there and Australia, which is, you know, where she lives now. So yeah, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be great. I feel like our team does a really great job in, in providing recommendations and such when, when we dedicate ourselves to a theme or a challenge or anything. And so having this as a year long, um, kind of endeavor for us, I think is going to unearth so many wonderful gems, um, for us as well as our listeners. So hopefully it'll be a really great experience. So we will be starting that in the beginning of 2021, and we will be releasing more info about that on our social media and in our newsletter. So those will be linked down below if you want like the hot off the presses latest news about what we're going to uh, be covering in 2021. So in addition to this year-long international theme, we are still going to have the month-by-month themes that we cover on the episodes. Uh, So we will be announcing them in due course, um, but they will all work towards this bigger international theme picture. All right. So it's time to get to our fiction shortlist. Uh, So Jacqueline, you have our first pick. Yes, so our first pick is The Yield by Tara June Winch, and this is out from Harper Veer here in the U.S., now, this, is, this was first published in Australia, and it is a novel told in three narrative threads. So we have that of Reverend Greenleaf, who was a German uh, Lutheran missionary, 
we have a dictionary of the Wiradjuri language that is told by Poppy Gondawindi. And we also have this um, primary narrative that I think really threads all of them together from August Gondawindi. And she has been working overseas and she's returning to Australia to attend her grandfather Poppy's funeral. And she's also returning to a land rights claim, a native title claim on um, Massacre Plains, which is the land on which this story is set. And one of the things that I think is really clever about this story is that the land itself ties all of these narratives together and really gives a whole perspective of what's happened on this one um, area of land through all of these different time periods. Uh, so it's in itself, it's a real celebration of language because one of the threads uh, is told through this dictionary um, and it's, it's such a creative and clever way to tell a story and to bring in so many literal ties and, and movement within the plot itself. Uh, so this has been a, a book that has been very widely celebrated in Australia. It has won the 2020 Miles Franklin Literary Award and it was also shortlisted for the Stella Prize among a myriad of other literary awards uh, and very happily it is now available in the US. So, uh, you know, we're very excited to see more international readers pick up this book and fall in love with it too. So that again is The Yield by Tara June Winch and it is out via Harper Via. And Samaya, you have our next pick. Our next pick is The Vanishing Half by Britt Benetz, uh, which was published in the U.S. by Riverhead Books. Um, I love a good family drama and the family uh, and the vanishing half delivered the perfect one. It has some of my favorite tropes, complex mother-daughter relationships, sibling dynamics, and multiple character perspectives. The premise of the book is really intriguing uh, and sets the stage really well for, you know, the story that we get. The novel is about Desiree and Stella, a twins who are from a small town called Mallard, which is comprised of, you know, where basically um, people who live there are light-skinned black people who reject dark skin because it functions as a reminder of the way their ancestors were treated and, of course, of the racism that continues to exist in America. Desiree and Stella are white passing, which means that they can pretend to be white. Through these sisters' lives, we get to see two vastly different experiences of being Black in America, particularly in the second half of the century, of the 20th century, which is when this book is set. Desiree chooses to marry a Black man, and Stella decides to renounce her identity and heritage for a comfortable and privileged life with a white man. Both these women's choices result in complicated lives that impact not just their relationship to each other, but also with their daughters and mother. So this family saga follows these sisters, mothers, and daughters. They're all complex, flawed characters who are trying to find their place in the world, but, but it's complicated because of their ties to their family, community, each other, and even more complicated because of the... Um, the critical context that is brought by race, class, and gender. So we follow these characters through many decades. We see them through some of the most meaningful and life-altering moments, and also some of the smaller moments that may not seem significant, but um, it contributes to a, so 
a strong sense of who they are and the world they inhabit. The novel also examines passing or transforming mainly through race and also through gender and class. This book is on our list because Britt Bennett has written a compulsive and thought-provoking multi-generational family saga, and her storytelling is rich with detail, dialogue, and dreams. You know, dreams like the ones we have when we sleep and the ones we have for our lives. So it's definitely one of the best books of the year, as I'm sure many people will agree because I've seen so many people pick this up. So that's been really nice to see the love that this book has gotten from the community. That was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Yeah, thanks, Samaya. Um, so our next pick is How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang. And this is out from Riverhead. And um, you'll know it's out by Riverhead because it has an incredible cover. That's like their thing. <laughs> and so it has this beautiful cover with this gold foil on it. Um, and it just looks incredible on a shelf, but it also is incredible on the inside as well. <laughs> and so, um, this book, uh, was featured on the Booker shortlist and, um, this is, uh, C, C. Pam Jong is a debut author. I cannot believe this is a debut book. Um, this book is written so beautifully, like it is from, uh, someone who has been writing forever. So I feel like I was shocked by how incredible the writing is. Um, and it takes place uh, during the gold rush um, in the American West and features two siblings, Lucy and Sam, who are forced out of their mining town after their father uh, dies in the middle of the night. Um, and they're looking for a resting place for their father. And that takes them on this really wide journey through the West as they grapple with the harshness of the wilderness and family secrets and this kind of unspoken rivalry between these two siblings and the dynamics that they had with their father and, and their mother um, to some extent as well. And I feel like digs into those deep characters. So if you really like character driven novels, I think this is this is a really great pick. I think I said this on the podcast because I believe I picked this for a previous episode, but I am the first one to tell anyone that I do not like Westerns. <laughs> and so my husband is very much into Westerns. And so like I tried to watch Deadwood and I tried to watch True Grit and I, I forced myself to read News of the World because it was short and I was like, I can get through this. And I was like, I can't get through this. <laughs> and so it's just not my thing. It's just not my thing. It never has been. But so many people had said, you need to read this book. It's incredible. Like it doesn't matter that you don't like Westerns. You're going to like this. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, watch me. I'm not going to like it. And I picked it up and like, I, I got not even halfway through and I was like, oh, this is so incredible. <laughs> and, and I think like part of it is probably because I maybe had that low bar. Even so, I feel like this really, really exceeded my expectations. And I think part of that is because Asian Americans, I feel like are very much lost and forgotten in the Western genre. And if you, if you put them in the center of a story and you really feature um, their experiences, because in case anyone didn't know, Asian people 
did exist in in uh, the American West in, in eras like the gold rush. When you put their stories in the center of, of a narrative, turns out I really like it. <laughs> and so I really like that Pham uh, Zhang really challenges the genre. Um, and, you know, maybe I've just been picking up the wrong things um, or it's, you know, her impressive writing style or both. I just really enjoyed this book. And I really love the dynamics between Lucy and Sam, the two siblings. This book flashes back into some of their memories or shared experiences as their family when they're when their parents were alive. Um, and I have a sibling, I have a, a younger sister. And so the any type of sibling dynamic is something that I really relate to. Um, and so I really appreciated that being in the narrative as well. Um, and also the Chinese aspects of the storytelling. Um, there's a lot of discussion around tigers, which uh, I feel like a lot of folklore and narrative in a lot of Asian cultures, but but specifically Chinese culture as well, is really prevalent. So I kind of liked those um, echoes of of different folklore and tales from uh, Asian culture. And it it talks to also about like what Asians must do to simply exist in this country and survive in this country. Um, there is discrimination um, in this book from from people, and that resonates very much with what's going on in our country right now. Um, and so I felt like on so many different levels and reasons, this book really resonated with me. If you love Westerns already, or if you love historical fiction, definitely pick this one up. Um, but even if you're not as into those, those themes, um, and you love books that are centered around Asian voices, this still might be a really great pick for you because it was for me. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised and I read this very early on in the year, and it's still one that I, I really think about a lot and um, will definitely be one of my personal top picks for this year. I just can't stop talking about how wonderful this book is. <laughs> so I, I know we interviewed uh, C. Pam Zhang on, on the, the podcast, and, and I picked this in a previous episode. And so there's a lot of different things that you could go back to within our archives to, to hear more about this book. Um, but really wanted to highlight it again for the shortlist because I do think it deserves all of the praise. <laughs> and while it, it did not influence the the choosing of this book, it doesn't hurt that C. Pam Zhang has a corgi named Kitsun. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> when you told me that, when you interviewed her, you're like, she has a corgi. I was like, oh my God, I just... <laughs> This book is just, I had already read the book and so I already <laughs> love the book uh, in general, but then I was like, oh, I just love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> I just love seeing Pam Zhang so much more. <laughs> in an alternative universe, we have a podcast just about corgi parenting um, and we yes. would have her on to talk about that. That is a dream. Yes. There. Because we already, we, we would have so much content. Oh, we yeah. like before and after every recording, we talk for at least 30 minutes about corgis. So that would just be like the whole show. It would be. <laughs> like, it would be. It'd be fantastic. I mean. It'd be great. <laughs> so that was uh, our pick. How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang, and that's out from Riverhead. And Kendra, I believe you have our next pick. So the next book on our fiction shortlist is Even As We Breathe by Annette Sinook Clapsaddle, and this is out from the University of Kentucky Press. This is Clapsaddle's debut novel, and it's also the first novel published by an enrolled member of the Eastern Band Cherokee Indians, and I had the privilege of being able to talk with Clapsaddle about her debut earlier this year. 
And so I will link that interview down in the show notes. Even As We Breathe is about a young Cherokee man uh, during the summer of 1942, and he has gotten a job at the historic Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. And so he travels down with a, a woman from his town as well. She's a Cherokee woman, and she's gotten a maid's job there at the inn. And so they have this kinship going down as people who knew each other vaguely, but going into a totally new situation as the only two Native people there. And they have this friendship that forms over the course of the summer. And they both work there, um, and lots of stuff kind of happens that seems to pull them together. County finds this bone on the land, and it kind of acts as its representation of his connection to the land uh, in Appalachia, in the hills and mountains of North Carolina. When I talked to Clapsettle about this book, she shared about wanting to push back against stereotypes of Native Americans having this like mystical connection to the land. But what she really wanted to emphasize was that, yes, you know, County has a deep connection to the land because his family has been living there for a very long time, like anyone would whose family has been living there for a long time, having grown up there. And she plays with that idea of the connection to the land and who stays and who leaves. And there's a big discussion about that. And I really appreciated the way that she handles these characters' stories and their lives and how they connect together. This book contains beautiful prose. I was so impressed with the way that she writes about the region of North Carolina. And I actually was in the hills of North Carolina when I read this book. So I was able to go outside and look outside and see the descriptions in the book right off, you know, in front of the cabin where I was staying. And it was a beautiful way to experience this kind of book that has that deep connection with place. As an Appalachian uh, person, I, I really am always seeking out new books from Appalachia. And I'm always looking for that sense of place and the beautiful storytelling traditions in Appalachian literature. And I feel like you can definitely see that in this book and the way that Clapsaddle handles the storytelling, the writing, the way that she talks about her own heritage as an indigenous woman. And I am just so generally impressed by this debut novel. I think she really is a stellar voice in Appalachian literature and in literature in general. And I cannot wait to see what she writes next. So yeah, I cannot recommend uh, this book enough. So please go check out Even As We Breathe by Annette Sinook Clapsaddle, and that's out from the University of Kentucky Press. So our next pick is Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo, and this is out from Grove Press. Now, you may have heard of this title before because it was the 2019 recipient of the Booker Prize. And notably, Evaristo was the first black woman and also the first black British author to ever win the Booker Prize. So it's a very momentous uh, achievement in itself. So this is a novel told through the stories of 12 mostly black women. And when Evaristo has been talking about this book, she uses the, the spelling of women with an X, so W-O-M-X-N, uh, because one of the characters within this story is a non-binary character. So this is an inclusive uh, way to describe the, the characters within the, the book. So the novel covers a period of around 100 years 
And we're following these characters at all different points in their life. We, we hear from them in childhood and then to connect all of the stories together, we hear from them in the more present day. And they are very distinct people and the way that they overlap and the way that the story moves between their chapters is so fluid and seamless and there's so many points of connection between these different characters it covers so many different themes ranging from explorations of race and class and age and different occupations and geographic locations and gender and it's just such a celebration of how diverse identity itself can be um, and you know particularly exploring black identity in Britain and one of the things that I heard in an interview that Evaristo did with Waterstones was that she describes her work as a fusion fiction because of this overlapping style and the way that she incorporates more poetic writing and has this overlapping flow to her work that is not in short stories or interconnected stories in that sense. It is, you know, a, a novel um, but she, she plays with sentence structure and punctuation in such a creative way. Um, for example, there's no full stops. Uh, so there's, there's a really distinct flow to her book that I think um, readers will really connect with and th- the way that the story is written in itself helps tell the narratives of these different characters so well. So again, that is Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo and it is out from Grove Press. And Samaya, you have our last pick for the fiction shortlist. Our final pick is Against the Loveless World by Susan Abulhava. Susan Abulhava's novels critically portray Palestine and Palestinian life under Israeli occupation. So her work offers much needed representation to Palestinians. In this book, there are two major timelines, um, and we follow the same character in both of them, but at different points in our life. The character that we follow is Nahar. She is the daughter of Palestinian immigrants. She grows up in Kuwait, where she is displaced and marginalized because she is a Palestinian exile and a female in a patriarchal world. So we follow Nahar's journey from Kuwait to Jordan to Palestine and basically witness the upheavals that are unsettling her world. You know, we become intimately aware of the ways that she fights for her family's survival and her own emancipation in a misogynistic and cruel world. In the second timeline, um, which punctuates like different parts of the book, we follow Nahar when she is middle-aged and she lives in solitary confinement in the Cube, which is a high-tech Israeli prison. So the chapters in this uh, particular timeline are shorter, but they are incredibly impactful as she reflects back on her life and offers some clues to what might happen next. If I had to sum up why this book is on our shortlist, I'd say it's because of the powerful scope of the work. Susan Abulhava goes in deep to explore the life of one Palestinian woman, you know, her fight for herself, her fight for her family and for the Palestinian nation. There's profound strength in Nahar's character because she's up against powerful forces, yet she shows grit and determination um, and also great dignity in the face of adversity. She is a fierce, unstoppable woman who's fighting against multiple systems of oppression, from misogyny and patriarchy to violent oppression and genocide. 
one of the great things about this book is that the prose is beautiful. And, you know, once you start reading it, it's really difficult to put it down. But I should add that they are crit- there are some trigger warnings for sexual assault and rape. So that's an important note for readers um, who might be sensitive to that type of content because I am. And so I had to like take note of the different page numbers um, for my friends as well. Overall, I would say that Against the Love of This World is a bold and profoundly Palestinian novel. And I think that's what makes it one of the best books of the year for me. She agrees. <laughs> Do you know, this book actually won the Palestinian Book Award recently. I did not know that. Yeah, and it was also longlisted for the Aspen Words Literary Prize for 2021, alongside The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Wow. There are actually, yeah, there are actually <laughs> many great books on that list. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. 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 I've been very impressed. 2020 has been a dumpster fire, but a lot of great books came out this year. Yeah. I have so many books to look forward to, and that brings me so much joy. Yeah. We are definitely the kinds of people who take joy in the fact that we're going to die next door to TBRs. (laughs) (laughs) Buried under a pile of books. That is the greatest way to go. (laughs) <laughs> that was Against the Loveless World by Susan Abulhava, published by Atria Books in the U.S. All right, so that's it. That's our last shortlisted book for this year's Reading Win Award. Oh, so exciting. What a great Yay. list. Oh, man. can't believe it. I feel like the time really flew Happy. already. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting that it's out yes. now, this shortlist, and people can go pick up these books and enjoy their time with them. I'm pretty sure, you know, like lots of people will find favorites on this list. There are so many wonderful books on this list. And if you want to learn more about each of these titles, including the books on the nonfiction shortlist, you can see them all in the show notes. Well, that's it for today. Everyone, where can listeners find you all about the internet? So I am on Twitter and Instagram and BookTube. And my handle is at six minutes for me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sachi Reads. So I'm at Samaya.books on Instagram, and that's basically where you can find me. And come say hi. You know, we can talk about books and definitely about this shortlist. And I'm KD Winchester, K is in Kite, D is in Dylan Winchester on Instagram. You all can find me there. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review in your podcast app of choice. And thank you to all of you who have already done so. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. To subscribe to our newsletter or to learn more about becoming one of our patrons, visit us at readingwomenpodcast.com. Be sure to join us next time where we'll be discussing the winners of the 2020 Reading Women Award. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.